0: Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I invite you to turn this morning in your Bible to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. We are now in our third week. In the study of Second Peter, a wonderful book in the Word of God. My admittedly first time to preach through the book, uh, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. I trust you are as well. We, uh, we entitled uh, uh, this series "Growing in the Knowledge of Christ," based on the, the theme verse there of in uh, in Second Peter, uh, chapter three, verse eighteen, that says, "But grow in the grace and knowledge." of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I was called to, to ministry uh, when I was about uh, 16 years old. And as I uh, sensed God's call, I began then to pray about what God's direction for my life was. I heard later on that a call to, to preach is a call to prepare. And uh, so uh, at, with, uh, enrolled in um, a college, uh, Mo- now University of Mobile, when I was a, a young young man, and went there. Started there as a freshman. I was uh, at that particular time in the in the seventies. Uh, many of our seminaries and colleges uh, and institutions in our denomination were on a slippery slope toward liberalism, um, and. Uh, Thankfully, I had been grounded in the Word of God under, a, uh, under a, many people through the years, but in the last couple of years, uh, a, a youth pastor who taught us uh, verse by verse through the Word of God, and uh, so he greatly impacted my life and belief in the Word of God. Went to the college that uh, I was told was the most conservative. I probably didn't check it out very thoroughly, but I was told it was the most conservative Baptist college in our state, and probably was. But after I got there, I found out that none of the, they called them religion professors, we'd probably call them Bible professors today, none of them believed in the verbal inspiration of Scripture or in the inerrancy of Scripture. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, and, uh, and so um, I understood that pretty soon, or learned that pretty early, but I, I had a class that was re- a requirement for me to take, under one of those professors who who delighted in in really um, attacking, I believe the, the what we consider uh, uh, core convictions as believers, particularly the inerrancy of Scripture, and would make fun of of people uh, who who held those beliefs. So I took this class and one particular day, uh, by the way, I was driving a school bus back in those days and uh, for a Christian school and I it was an afternoon class so I would park my bus in the parking lot and uh, go uh, right after the class and get on my bus and drive over to the school to, to take the children home from school, the students. And uh, one particular day, this professor had really uh, ra- railed against uh, my biblical convictions and inerrancy. And I left that day um, bewildered, confused, but I got on that bus and uh, uh, that bus became my prayer altar uh, uh, as I drove to the school that day. I did drive with my eyes open, by the way, but, but I, uh, as I, I prayed on my way over there from my heart. I just cried out to God and said, God, I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to stand on your word no matter what. And God heard my prayer, and that was the commitment and conviction of my heart. And uh, got me through uh, college, and, and thanked God for godly pastors who had taught me and who were now, un- that I was under at that time as well. Uh, enrolled in, uh, in Mid-America Seminary, came to, Karen and I came in, in, the fa- in the fall of 1980 to a se- seminary that I knew believed. The Word of God and every professor believed in the verbal inspiration of Scripture and inerrancy of Scripture and very grateful. And that's how I got here. I was the only one in my graduating class and it was, to even announce that I was coming to Mid-America was, uh, uh, was, was uh, uh, sort of different. Uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, I'm grateful that, that, that God's done a work in our denomination and, uh, and that I believe today uh, we can say uh, for the most part our, our, our colleges, our seminaries, our, our institutions uh, uh, have returned to the foundation of belief in uh, the inerrancy of the Word of God, including that college that I attended. I'm grateful later on, the, the, professor, the two of the professors at that same school were Mid-America graduates, so God had done a... Had obviously done a turnaround there and has continued to do so, but but I, I just am reminded that that it shows us how important that we must always fight against the drift away from the Word of God. Um, and uh, Peter in this in this book is largely writing to confront the false teachers. In in the uh, first first Peter, he's dealing with outside issues, but now in Second Peter, dealing with inside false teachers who had risen up within the churches. Uh, False cults and even movements which rise up in the church are often built on portions of Scripture that are wrongly uh, interpreted, taken out of context. Uh, They are generally experiential rather than biblically based. And in verses 1 through 11 uh, that we've already seen, he's describing really our experience in Christ, but then he points uh, in this passage today, um, uh, that on which uh, all experience must be based, the authoritative Word of God. So with that introduction, let me invite you with your Bibles open to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to begin reading with verse 12. I would invite you, if you will, please, to, to stand with me as we read the Word of God together. Um, probably a longer passage uh, than we might. We'd like to take it a little smaller bites, but we are uh, uh, we're going to, our intention is to finish this uh, book up by the end of November. 1 Peter, second Peter rather, second Peter chapter 1 verse 12. I'm reading from the New King James translation. He says, For this reason, uh, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it right, as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we with him on the holy, were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing that knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of god spoke as they were moved by the holy spirit and from this passage they all bring a message entitled god is speaking are you listening let's pray together Thank you, Father, for your precious Word. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship today together. We do so, Lord, even in our worship, Lord, based upon the Word of God, based upon obedience to the Word of God. We've opened our time together by reading the Word of God. And Father, we thank you for your precious, inerrant Word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you've not only given us the Word of God, preserved the Word of God, but Lord, you've given us the indwelling Holy Spirit to be our resident teacher. And so we pray today that as we have come together and, and Lord, we uh, exalt you and we continue in a spirit of worship to say, teach us today from your word, Lord. Help us to receive your truth today, even as it was spoken these many years ago through the apostle Peter by the power of your spirit. Lord, may we receive this truth. May we apply it today. Lord, will you make changes personally in our lives as we respond in obedience to the prompting of your spirit Lord, also as a church today, may we receive this truth for us corporately that we may be obedient as well. We thank you again and thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we also know that it is, you tell us that that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, hearts today who are in our midst who have never truly repented of sin and placed their faith in Christ, never truly believed the gospel, I pray, God, you'll do a special work in their heart today even as we preach this message to the church. Again, as we seek to incorporate the gospel that Christ will be glorified. We love you, we praise you, and thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. You may be seated. Peter speaks from these, these words, as we've said from, in this passage uh, concerning the word of God. And again, God is speaking. God speaks to us in many ways. Chiefly, Hebrews says he's spoken to us through his son but he continues to speak to us through the word of God. And I want you to consider at least three things from this passage today that relate to what God's word does in our hearts and lives individually and and as believers, but also as his church. First of all, notice that God's word stirs us to holy living by reminding us of his truth. His word stirs us to holy living by reminding us of his truth. In verses 12 to 15, we notice, first of all, that God reminds us through the apostle Peter of of our responsibility to each other. Uh, Peter starts there by saying that his purpose is not to teach them something new, Uh, and and, and someone has said that, that no truth is new truth, and new truth is no truth. Uh, and so truth is, uh, uh, it, it comes from God. And, and really, if someone says, I have a new truth, well, uh, that's, that's really not true because truth is already established in the word of God. And so, so Peter was seeking in this, in this regard to, uh, to, to really obey a principle that the Lord Jesus demonstrated. Jesus continuously uh, retaught truth. He, uh, he, and, and that's why we have four Gospels, and that's why you can obviously see some differences at times. And one of the reasons was that Jesus, on more than one occasion, would teach certain truths and, and parables and principles. And and so that is true with us as well. It's a, it's a disciple-making principle, and it's uh, demonstrated by Paul as well. In, in, uh, in Philippians 3, one, i I'll just b- briefly para- uh, paraphrase. Paul said, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to bring you something new. Uh, this is something that that you uh, you know, and, I, and it's not it's not a problem that I'm not bringing you something new. So so uh, we don't have to feel the the pressure to always be bringing something new. In fact, we shouldn't be bringing new. We should we should continue to teach the word of God and and, and these principles. So again, his purpose is he's saying is to remind them. Uh, he's giving them these, these things, things that they've already been aware of, those that we've already looked at in, in verses 1 through 11 and we'll continue to, to look at. He said the purpose here in verse 13 is to stir you up, to stir you up. Now, we typically think about being stirred up in a negative way, don't we? He, Man, I got stirred up. But this is, a, this is a very positive thing, and it's something we are uh, also to do for one another. This word here means to arouse completely, to awaken from lethargy, drowsiness, and sleep. So that's, by the way, that's what uh, Bible studies, Bible lessons, that's what messages are intended to do. They're intended to wake you up, not to put you to sleep, okay? Uh, we, we have a lot of jokes about people uh, falling to sleep in church. Well, that's not our goal is is not to put folks to sleep. It's to wake folks up, right? And uh, and the Word of God uh, should do that. That's why again, it, it is important that we prepare ourselves as we come together to hear the Word of God that we come prayed up that we come with our hearts open that we uh, that we uh, have we come rested up as much as possible uh, but uh, but that's the purpose of the word of God. And, and, uh, and so in Hebrews 10.24, he uses a different word for stir up, but nonetheless, we see the same principle. In, in Hebrews 10.24, he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This word means to provoke or to incite. So again, not only is that the pastor's responsibility uh, and and, and your teacher's responsibility, but it is our responsibility as believers to to stir up one another. Uh, With with what? With the Word of God. And uh, this this is one of the primary reasons why coming together is so important, why meeting together is important, why meeting together in Bible study is important, why meeting in small groups, why we have community groups, why we have worship. It's to stir up one another. And oftentimes we're we're we're, not, we're coming in with the truth that you are have heard. Perhaps not. You we don't walk away saying that's a new truth. Uh, but again, that's even why on Sunday night in community groups, we we most of our groups uh, sometimes we go a different direction, but most often we are we utilize the, the message we preach this in the morning uh, again to remind ourselves and to dig a little deeper uh, and and to to again uh, review and to, to dig deeper into the truth again because repetition of, of truths uh, is is very biblical. And, and, uh, and we do that in our lifestyle, the small group discipleship as well. Uh, and again, by the way, repetition of truths and of, of scripture passages doesn't give us an excuse for com- becoming stale or boring. I mean, even though as pastors, and, and sometimes, you know, I've been, I've been your pastor for 12 years. Same same year, Kaylee sent that that uh, letter to the uh, or the 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 gift there, uh, the Operation Christmas Child, and uh, so uh, you know sometimes you've had a pastor for twelve years uh, and. Prior to that, Brother Bill, for 18, you say, well, you know, I've, uh, I've heard his illustrations, you know, I've heard his story. Some of y'all had heard that story I opened with this morning at some point because I've shared that with you before. Um, and, and, uh, but you know, there, there's, there's never an excuse for being stale or boring. Why? Because, dear fo- folks, we are dealing with the inspired Word of God. This is the inspired Word of God. And, and hopefully, and prayerfully, one of the greatest things that, uh, that can ever be an encouragement to me is for folks to say, Pastor, I see you growing. I see you growing in your understanding of God's Word. I can tell you're, you're digging. So, so again, it's my responsibility to continue to, to study the Word of God, to dig into the Word of God, and to and, and grow in God's Word uh, as, as your pastor. So there's never an excuse for that because, again, we, are, we have a finite... Uh, We are we are finite, but God and his word are infinite. So again, this is our responsibility And so God is reminding us as was Peter's responsibility to again uh, To to stir up one another through the word of God But secondly, God reminds us of the brevity of our lives and through that That's through Peter's testimony there and in these words because he says I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent and he goes on to say that uh, in verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. Uh, so, so he's using the he's talking about his body here. Paul used that same terminology in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to talk about the body being a a tent. Now what is a tent? A tent is a something you go uh most of I don't know anybody in our church family that lives in a tent all right but occasionally you may go camping right you may go off for just a short time and um and you you go in a tent and uh you know and, and and hopefully that tent doesn't leak like the one I loaned to Hunter and Hillary a couple of years ago when they went to the Chick-fil-A's opening or a year ago whenever it was and uh they uh, no that was for that wasn't that was for Buffalo wild wings. They spent the night out there and I loaned them my tent but like the but it leaked during the night. They had to go get a giant tarp. So that's that's that shows you it's temporary, right? It was a temporary dwelling place. It did fine in the dry, of course, no problem then. But but like but these bodies, like that tent, wears out, doesn't it? And so that's the that's what why God uses that kind of terminology to help us realize it's a temporary place. And so Peter is using this testimony say, look, you know I, I don't have much time. Jesus has already shown me that my departure is going to be soon. Now Jesus doesn't show us all that we can we can see the signs, can't we? We can see the bodies aging. We can see the Illness perhaps increasing. We can feel the aches and pains getting more, th- those can be indications. But the, but the Lord has shown Peter that his time, his departure to go and be with the Lord is going to be soon. And so, again, even in that, he wasn't thinking so much about you know, uh, his 401k if he'd had them back in those days, or, but he's really thinking about people and how he can use the most of his opportunity to invest truth to remind them of these truths. And and again, folks, that ought to be our our desire as well. Uh, He wanted to make one more deposit of the Word of God into their lives, the the Word of God reminders into their life accounts, if you will. So that causes a a good question to ask ourselves. Are you leaving more to your family and, and maybe even your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you leaving more than just financial wealth? Are you leaving biblical investments in the lives of your family? Are you leaving in their hearts and lives a, a biblical investment of truth that is backed up by a godly life? I was reading this morning in, 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 in Matthew and Jesus said uh, to, about the scribes, he said, now you know. listen to what these guys say. They sit in the seat of Moses. They're teaching you the word of God, but don't follow their lives. Well, do you not only have a a a pattern of investing the Word of God, but are you backing that up by a transformed life? That's the kind of investment that Peter was making into the lives of these. And and, and again, that is our responsibility, and we're to stir one another up by reminding one another, uh, and those in the the area of our influence, reminding them of truth. Uh, Secondly, God's Word continuously glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. God's word continuously glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 16 to 18. Um, uh, you know, because Jesus uh, certainly demonstrated that. He taught that. The word of God teaches that Jesus, as hunters pray today, he's the, he's the center of the word of God. He is what the word of God is all about. Jesus said in John five thirty nine, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness About me. Jesus said, You're in the Word all the time to to the scribes and the the Pharisees. You're in the Word all the time, but He said, They're the ones that bear witness to me. The Word of God is about me, Jesus said. And, and, And this is certainly borne out in what Peter's teaching here. First of all, notice that His majesty is declared by His followers. Again, there, He said, We didn't follow cunningly devised fables or ESV says, cleverly devised myths. What was he saying? We, we didn't just come to you with made-up stories. These weren't just made-up stories. Uh, they, the false teachers were obviously uh, teaching that what... Uh, what the, the disciples, what Peter had taught and others who founded these local churches, that what they were teaching was just really made-up stories. They were fictitious stories. He says, no, the gospel is true. The gospel is real. We were, he says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The word majesty can be translated splendor or magnificence. And that includes certainly all of Jesus' sinless life, uh, all the way back to, to his virgin conception and birth, uh, his, uh, his, his miracles, his atoning death, his, his, his authoritative teaching, of course, his, his bodily resurrection, his 40 days of post-resurrection appearances in which he, he promised um, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit to empower the church, and he, promised, he, he gave the, the Great Commission. He promised his return but also he, he ascended back to heaven. It included all those things. But, but Peter calls attention, especially here in, in verse 18, to one of it in the, in the life of the Lord Jesus. We saw it not long ago in our, in our preaching through the gospel of Luke. And, the, and we know it uh, as the transfiguration that took place on what is now called the Mount of Transfiguration, some to believe to be Mount Hermon. But uh, but nonetheless it was that time when Jesus uh, appeared there to uh, with he was with uh, James and John and Peter and appearing with him of course were Moses and Elijah and he appeared to them in his glorified state what he had, what they would have seen had they seen him in heaven and and what we will see when we do see him in heaven and and so but but all Ma- Matthew Mark and Luke uh, record this event John said uh, in John 1:14 and, we, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only uh, son of God from the Father, full of grace and truth. we saw his glory, we saw the, the pre- manifest presence of God, and when you think about the glory of God that's what, what it is, the manifest presence of God. We think about from the Old Testament the times when God appeared in his glory, uh, the Shekinah glory that led the children of Israel uh, through the wilderness that, that pillar of, uh, of, of uh, f- uh, cloud by day and p- pillar of fire by night, God appeared to them. And there were times when the glory of God was so great that the priest could not minister in the temple, in the tabernacle. And and, and so God uh, manifested his presence. And the Lord Jesus in this moment, he manifested his his presence. And the disciples said, we were, Peter said, we were witnesses, eyewitnesses of his glory. He was, he was real and, and, and he is fully God and yet fully human. But secondly, notice his majesty is affirmed by his father. In verse 17, we know that took place, and again, this is in the gospel accounts, that, the, that God the Father, he said, God, the, he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, God the Father, and what did he say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased Again, Stephen Cole says the phrase about Jesus being God's son comes from uh, the Messianic Psalm, Psalm 2. And the part about being beloved and well-pleasing from the Father comes from another Messianic prophecy, Isaiah 42.1, fulfillment of both of those prophecies. And he says, "...seeing Jesus transfigured told the confused disciples on on that day that Jesus is the glorious, majestic, promised Messiah and King." and his impending death on the cross does not negate his future reign in power and glory. Now, they didn't get it at that time, but later they would be able to look back as Peter is now and seeing and understanding that. But also the the transfiguration picture... Uh, for uh, the disciples and for us what the second coming of Christ is going to be like. He's going to come in, in all the fullness of his glory. You see, on, in his earthly ministry, Jesus' glory was veiled, the Bible says, hidden in, in human flesh. And he looked like an ordinary man. He didn't have a halo over his head. He didn't glow physically. Uh, any of those kinds of things that people may, may try to conjure up, so to speak. But Jesus was fully human. But when he comes again in, in his second coming, he's going to come in all the fullness of his. Glory and people are going to recognize and understand who He is in uh, in regard because of the fullness of His of His glory. So again, the transfiguration also affirmed the truth of Scriptures because again Moses was present, Moses representing the law of God, and the and the Bible will say we'll see that that all of the law of God points toward Christ, and we can find Jesus as we study the law of God. Elijah representing the prophets, all the prophets speak of the Lord Jesus. So again, this this too is an affirmation of the scripture of the word of God. Both were witnesses to the Lord Jesus. I look forward, when we get back into the gospel of Luke, preaching that that passage from from Luke um, 24 and and on the road to Emmaus, one of my favorite passages in the word of God, when Jesus appeared after the resurrection to the disciples. And and at that point, his identity there was even hidden to these, these disciples. They weren't expecting Jesus to rise again. They were walking with him on the road and didn't realize even that it was him but on that, on that road, the Bible says in Luke 24, 27, and beginning with Moses, the books of law, and all the, all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Once again, the affirmation that all the word of God is about Jesus. It's all pointing to him. And uh, Dr. Rogers used to say the Bible is a hymn book. It's all about him. He's on every page. So I encourage you, as you study and read through the Old Testament as well as the New, look for the Lord Jesus. He's there. He is there. I encourage you to study that with, with that understanding. And, and more and more, one of the exciting things about reading through the Scriptures, and we're about to finish up the end of December, our, our uh, reading through the Bible in two years. will be challenge you again to read through at least in two years. And, and, and the more you read it, the more you, you understand that the more you see Jesus there. And I encourage you and urge you uh, to do that. And so again, God's word continuously glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. But a third truth about God's word, and that is God's word is a perfect light for our dark world. God's word is a perfect light for our dark world. Beginning in verses uh, 19 uh, to, to 21, we see this. He he speaks here in verse nineteen of this prophetic word, and this really, I believe, is a reference to all of Scripture. Uh, and and uh, and Peter, in this word, he says in verse nineteen, and, and, and we have the prophetic word confirmed, uh, which uh, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Uh, and again, Peter is not uh, indicating here. I believe that, that, uh, that old Testament prophecy is superior to their testimony because their testimony is now part of inspired new Testament scripture. Uh, but, but again, most of the newer translations use the word more fully confirmed. And again, it conveys the idea that Old Testament prophecy and New Testament reports are in complete harmony. And that the old uh, and the new, they, con- they just confirm one another. So again, note two truths here about, about God's word that call for response. And we're going to look down first at verses 20 and 21. So first of all, consider the source of, For God's word. What is the source for God's word? Verses 20 and 21, I believe, again, give us the source for God's word. He says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. And uh, again, what he's literally saying is here, the primary thing to be known about Scripture is that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. That's the idea of private interpretation. The word here for interpretation comes from a word which means to unloose, to untie, to explain what is obscure and hard to understand. You know, the writers of Scripture, uh, this, m- most believe that he's referring here more to not so as much the understanding of Scripture on our part today. We do have the, the Holy Spirit to, inate, to aid us in that. Uh, but but again, that he's talking more about the source of Scripture. And even the, the writers of Scripture, they didn't, they, they didn't come up with it on their own. And they, they didn't understand what they were doing. Uh, they didn't come up with their understanding of what they were writing out of their own intellect. They didn't just say, we're going we're to do this on our own, and we're going to come up with this on our own. No, the, the, the Spirit of God uh, was at work there. And again, verse 21 explains how that, how that happened. Verse 21, again, he, he says, for, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Well, again, this explains how Scripture came about. It was not produced by the will of man, but, but men Spoke as, as uh, spoke as as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The words here "carried along" was used of a, a ship. Uh, sailing that was carried along by the wind. And that's exactly a a beautiful picture of what happened in the process of the inspiration of Scripture. The Holy Spirit carried them along. The Holy Spirit uh, is the source of Scripture. God is the source of Scripture. The Holy Spirit is the agent, and men are the instrument. And again, it's, it's very obvious as you read the Word of God that God did not Bypass human beings. We're not talking about dictatorship. God utilized and used the personalities of individuals. You can see that in, in all the various writings, in the writings of Peter and the writings of Paul. But the point is, is that the Holy Spirit, this didn't, they didn't come up with this on their own. The Holy Spirit was carrying them along. Uh, that's also the de- inspiration is, is described in 2nd. Timothy chapter three in the ESV, I love the way it it, it, it uh, translates this. It says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work." That verse, not those verses, not only tell us about the inspiration of of Scripture. Uh, but, but they tell us uh, again uh, about how Scripture is sufficient. They tell us about the sufficiency. It's sufficient for everything that we need in our lives. And so we hear it, what we're seeing and what we're describing, I believe, is, is the position that we take. Uh, again, I mentioned it earlier in my testimony that, that we believe firmly in the verbal, and here's the terminology the verbal plenary inspiration of the inerrant word. What do we mean by verbal inspiration? We mean we believe that every word was selected by the Holy Spirit. Every word, not just the thoughts being inspired by God. And when we speak of inspiration, we certainly don't mean it like someone said would say, I was inspired to write this song or I was inspired to write this poem or story. No, we, again, the, the terms that, that we've seen here in 2 Peter as well as 2 Timothy describe this process, every word. And then when, what, do, what does the word plenary mean? That means full. Again, we mean that all the Bible is equally inspired. I have, I've talked with people who will say things like, well, you know, I just believe the words in red, okay, the words that Jesus spoke. Or, or even, even if they say, well, I believe it all, but I believe that the words that Jesus spoke are more inspired than others. No, nope, that's not true. All of it, we believe it is all fully inspired from Genesis to Revelation, all the Word of God. And again, the word inerrant means without error. That means we believe that in its original manuscripts, it was without error. And of course, um. We don't have any of the original manuscripts today, but again, we have manuscripts today, very close back, and 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 uh, and, and there's a great info, deal of information uh, that is available to you today to understand that and study that. Uh, we don't. We're not saying that one translation is necessarily more inspired than another. We are blessed today with good translations, some better than others, some closer than others, some more intentional to desire to be more. uh, More closely aligned to the original languages, Uh, but we're blessed to have these things along with good tools that help us in our study Of the Word of God. So again, uh, God is the source of Scripture. We need to see. That's why it's so important. That's why again, uh, our time in the Word is so important, personally as well as corporately. That we come together and while we don't use this time just giving someone's opinions, but we come together to study the Word of God together. So again, again, consider the source of God's Word and why it is so vital. But but second, continue submitting. To God's word. Look back at verse 19 once again. He said, and and we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The word here for heed, of course, translated in ESV, you do well to pay attention. This word to heed or to pay attention means to focus our concern, our care, our commitment on it. Again, we should focus our attention on the Word of God. We should, uh, we, we should uh, closely study it and examine it. The, the Old Testament describes how we're to, we're to mine out the Word of God. Second Timothy 2 says, be diligent to show yourselves approved unto God, diligently studying uh, the Word of God, digging into the Word of God. And so certainly that, in, that includes our careful study of the Word of God, our, our careful um, examination of it in our lives, application of it to our lives, and then obedience of it in our lives. So God's calling us to that and, and, and obedience to the Word of God. And again, not, not to, both individually and as a church, we're not to do what Vance Havner used to describe as, as uh, studying the Bible like we would go through a cafeteria line. Now, cafeteria lines may be almost a thing of the past for, for some, but uh, I can remember pretty often going to, to the cafeteria, kind of like Morrisons. Some, some of you may not even know the name Morrisons anymore. But, uh, you know, we'd go down the line. And my problem with always with cafeteria lines is I liked everything, you know. And I, and, uh, but, but Vance Havner said a lot, of, a lot of Christians treat the Bible that way. They go down and, 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 you know, you'd go down the line and you say, yeah, I think I'll have that. nah I don't want that. No, nah, no, nah, I don't want that. And, and he said, some people do the Bible that way. You know, they say, yeah, you know, I like this thing about fellowship. Oh, yeah, I enjoy that. Oh, I, I like worship. But no, I don't care. I don't want to do the giving thing, the tithing, the giving. No, I, I don't want to do that. Missions, no, nah, don't think I want that. Evangelism, nah I don't think I want that. Oh yeah, yeah. I really, I like the, uh, you know, I like the 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 being together with God's people, and you know, but but uh, you know, so so it's a picking and choosing, and you know, folks, we can really do that in our lives individually, and we can do that as a church. We can when our thoughts or our opinions or, if you will, our traditions exceed Scripture then we are treating the Bible as less than what it is. We're not treating it as the authoritative, inspired, inherent Word of God. When we think we have the right or the authority to say, I don't like that, I don't want that, and I don't, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to submit to that. Again, that's why we are to submit ourselves to the Word of God. And that well, we must do that. As a church as well, we must say that our main question would be, okay, so we want to do this. We want to, we're, we're, our, our leadership is seeking to lead us to, to, to uh, this, this matter, maybe in regard to membership. Is this biblical? Is what we're doing biblical? That ought to be the question, not whether it fits into what we like or what we want, but, but is it biblical? Is it what the Word of God teaches? And that that must be our commitment as, as God's people. And so how long are we to do this? He said, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. And again, I would, I would commend you to Malachi 4.2 and Revelation 22.16. And most believe he's referring here to the return of Christ. And these are references to to the Lord Jesus and to his return. And so how long are we to keep looking into the word of God, submitting to the word of God daily in God's word, weekly as a church in God's word, continuously learning and growing until Jesus comes. Until Jesus comes. And that's where we are. We're still in the great until right now. And that is why, again, and, and, and some of you have been believers a, lot, a whole lot longer than I have. But, it, you know, one of the things to me that just proves the the. the, the uh, divine nature of the Word of God is that we never arrive at it. Amen? We never learn it all. We never fully master it. There's so much to the Word of God because, again, it's living. It's powerful. And, again, that is why we, until Jesus comes, we faithfully stay in the Word of God. God is still speaking. And He's still speaking through the Word of God. So the question, once again, is, are you listening. Philippians two sixteen in the new American standard translation says holding fast the word of life. So in the day of Christ, Paul said, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Paul had the same kind of heart that Peter did for the people he Preached to, that he ministered to, that he had led to Christ, that he had discipled, that they might might stay faithful, holding fast to the Word of God, as it's translated there in in a number of the newer translations. Because again, when the day of Christ, when Christ comes, he wanted to know that he had not run in vain, that he had not labored in vain, and that his investment in them paid off and it made an eternal dividends to the glory of Christ. But that word hold fast is also translated hold forth. Hold forth. And again, the idea of holding forth is that, that we're to speak the Word of God to people. And the idea was holding forth of a, a drink to a thirsty guest, the holding forth of living water, if you will, and also used of holding out a light. So, so, dear friends, again, as believers in Christ, that's what we must do. We must hold fast to the Word of God so that we can hold forth the Word of God. Hold forth the gospel to a lost and dying world. The gospel, the gospel message of Jesus, that Jesus uh, lived, uh, came to this earth fully God and fully human, lived a perfect and sinless life. Because again, because God loved this world. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, And the Lord Jesus came and lived that perfect and sinless life. And one day he went to the cross and the Bible says on that cross that our sin was put on him on that cross and that he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus paid our debt in full. He became sin for us. The Bible says he was buried and that he rose again the third day and that he's alive right now. And dear friend, the Bible says that we must respond to what Jesus has done by acknowledging that we're sinners that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We acknowledge our sin before God and we repent or turn away from our sin. We respond by repenting, turning away from our sin and by placing our faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. And the Bible says when that happens in our life and we truly surrender our lives to him as our Lord, the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're to hold forth the word of life by offering the living water to dying in a dark world. This word for dark here means murky. Would you agree we live in a dark world? We live in a dark world. And dear friends, that's the, what the Bible says in that same passage that we're to shine forth as lights in a dark world. And that's what we're here for. We're to present this gospel and that's what we have the Word of God for, to help equip us and why, why we need to get into the Word of God every single day and why we need to come together as God's people, why we need to hold each other accountable, why we need to keep reminding each other of these truths of God's Word, because we live in a dark world and we're not intended to do it on our own. We need the Word of God and we need the people of God to help hold us accountable and help us in in our study and understanding and our application and obedience to the Word of God. So dear friend, what are you doing about it? Are you listening to God? Are you hearing God? Let me mention several things as we conclude our message this morning and make application to our lives. Several take-homes, if you will. First of all, study the Word of God daily for fresh reminders of truth and fresh insights for living. Dear friend, you're, you're uh, very proud and arrogant if you think you can make it without the Word of God. I challenge you. Get into God's Word. Take time every day. Secondly, look for ways to stir other believers up through God's Word. Are you doing that? Do you see yourself as responsible just as Peter did to the people of God? You are responsible for stirring other people up, starting in your own family. And let me just say this, husbands and wives, are you teachable with one another? I didn't just say do you teach, but are you teachable? Do, do you receive when, when your husband or your wife or, your, or even your children uh, point out a truth to you? Do you receive it? Uh, that's important. Look for ways, but then it goes on, on throughout the family of God as well. Thirdly, live each day as though it may be your last. That's what Peter was doing. Live every day as though it may be your last, because in fact it may. Number four, worship Christ as you see his majesty in all the scriptures. Look for Jesus throughout the word of God and grow in your love for him and worship him. Number five, acknowledge the Bible as God's perfect word. Number six, submit daily to God's word until Jesus comes. God is still speaking. Are you listening? Would you bow with me for prayer? With your head bowed and eyes closed. I pray today that God will speak fresh truth to your heart today. and That you'll think about whether you're truly listening to the Word of God. Listening to God's voice daily in your time with Him, listening to God's voice through the teaching and preaching of the Word of God on a regular basis. If not, what needs to change in your life today? If you don't understand the Word of God or you have no interest in the Word of God, then I would challenge you to truly examine what you may call a relationship with Christ. Because you see when you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, God puts within your heart a hunger for the word of God. One of the ways you know you're God's child is you you hunger for his word. You desire his word. So dear friend, today do you have certainty of a relationship with Christ? And if you have to say no or I don't know, then my prayer for you today is that God will awaken your heart to repent of your sin and place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can, as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at